like an animal, talks like an animal, must be an animal, come hear the animal, talking animal, talking animal. Good morning. This is Talking Animals on WMNF. And may I add that today is WMNF's actual birthday. It's 43rd birthday. So happy birthday to us or to all WMNFers wherever you may be. I'm Duncan Strauss. And my guest today is John Turner, the president of Project PUP. PUP is an acronym that stands for Pets Uplifting People. And having served the Tampa Bay area since 1984, Project PUP trains dogs, and occasionally cats to visit nursing homes, rehab centers, assisted living facilities, hospitals, and other locales where sometime with uh, these friendly, well-behaved animals would likely bring the residents comfort and joy. These visits are intended not only to cheer up the people staying in these facilities, helping them stave off feelings of loneliness and isolation, but often these animals serve as surrogates of sorts for the dogs or cats these folks have had to leave behind at home or have just loved over the years. So visiting canine might act as a mood elevator and yield other medicinal value. Project Pup explains that the only place they really can't take this spirit-boosting show on the road is to someone's home because the organization's insurance coverage precludes such visits. Project Pup is a nonprofit organization operated by a battalion of volunteers. These volunteers are human and canine, and yes, some feline too. While financially, Project Pup is 100% donation-based. We'll find out more about Project Pup, the work they do, how you might become a volunteer, and more when I speak with John Turner in a few moments here on Talking Animals on WMNF. A program, and I'll be out of town next Wednesday, September 21st. The fabulous Bev Kepshaw will be hosting in my absence, and her guest will be Rick Shabbity, Executive Director of Suncoast Animal League. I know one focus of their conversation will be Ride for the Animals, the wonderful event that happens in November. Later in today's program, meanwhile, I'll talk with Heather Moran, the owner of the Doggy Bag Boutique in Lakeland that specializes in top-tier pet foods, toys, treats, supplements, and more. The store is presenting an event this Saturday, September 17th, called Romp in the Hay, in which dogs, maybe your dog, can root around in the hay trying to find a tree in a haystack. It's actually a fundraiser with the proceeds going to Raining Cats and Dogs Animal Rescue, which will also have adoptable animals on hand. More on this a bit later in the show. Right now, I was hoping to speak with John Turner, who I was not able to reach before we went on air, so I'm going to uh, try again and just hear this instrumental in the meantime. And with any luck, we'll be back with John Turner from Project Pop. This is WMF is Talking Animals on WMF. Thanks. Okay, good news. We have John. We've located John. So picking up kind of where I left off uh, with a reminder that I invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org or texting 813-433-0885. This is John Turner on Talking Animals on WMNF. Good morning, John. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on Talking Animals. 
Thanks for having us. So let's start by tracing some of Project Pup's history. I imagine some of those listening may be surprised to hear the organization's beginnings go back as far as 1984. Tell me a bit about those beginnings. Uh, in the early days, it was started by three fine ladies that decided that uh, that Tampa Bay area needed a, a great therapy dog program. So they got together and started building Project Pup, um, and it became a 501c3 officially in 1985, non-for-profit. Yeah, that's great. And they did this all the kind of their heart, kindness of their heart. What was the impetus? Do you know what when these women got together and said, "Hey, we need this kind of organization"? What they spurred said, that? Because that's that's no small task to launch a, an organization, much less one that quickly gets 501c3 status. From the way I understood it, they they decided that they were seeing the need for people and how happy people were becoming with being pets in nursing homes. Yeah, and that was their start was in nursing homes um, by taking their vets daily to visit the, the patients and the and the people that lived in the nursing homes on a daily basis and the smiles that it would bring. Yeah. So it helped them a lot and that's what got them going and motivated to push very hard to get it going. Yeah. And are they still uh, involved in any capacity or? Uh, I am currently the president of the Project Pup. No, but are the women who helped form it? Sorry. Uh, one is, one is still can, one is still with us. Her name is Betty um, and she still keeps her eye on it. She was one of the original founding members and she's yeah. just fabulous Woman. She's probably really thrilled to see how it's uh, developed and evolved over the years. So uh, that's great. So before we go any further, let's address some definitions because I think a lot of times for people, some of these things can be a bit blurry and confusing. So a therapy dog does this and that, an emotional support dog does this, but doesn't do this and that, and a service dog overall has kind of more specific roles. So can you kind of, like, let's just start, tell us what, what really defines a therapy dog. Okay, a therapy dog is defined by a dog that is that has some training, basically basic obedience and some little bit above, and is allowed to go into places it's invited to, like nursing homes, hospitals, um, schools, to bring comfort to patients. Um, it is not allowed to go into restaurants. It is not allowed to go into any stores or stuff like that. It is just where it is invited to go into. So that's your, that's your therapy dog. And so I guess just for people who are trying to sort out the difference, because it seems like there's a lot of confusion, and of course on top of that you get people that are, can help aid a person with a disability and um, I think often considered companion animals that ease anxiety, depression, some phobias and loneliness. But I think uh, to be considered an emotional support dog, if I'm not mistaken, has to be prescribed by a mental health professional uh, for a patient with a diagnosed psychological or emotional disorder. So again, that's a fairly sharp contrast to the therapy dog description you just gave. And then service dogs, I think, include guide dogs and hearing uh, alert dogs and psychiatric dogs for people uh, battling or continuing with certain psychiatric uh, illnesses or episodes. Also help with those folks who are in wheelchairs and need some uh, help with mobility or getting certain tasks done. So so those are they're fairly distinct categories, but I think a lot of people sometimes have trouble sorting out which, which is which and what would constitute a therapy dog. So I think since we're talking about therapy, therapy dogs here, it's nice to have a little, hopefully a little distinction between between those, those roles. So this is Talking Animals on WNF. I'm Duncan Strauss. If you just tuned in, my guest is John Turner, the president of Project PUP. PUP is an acronym that stands for Pets Uplifting People, and they've served the Tampa Bay area since 1984. We just heard a little bit about the founding, and uh, primarily they go into um, nursing homes, rehab centers, uh, hospitals, assisted living facilities, and uh, spend some time with uh, the folks there, boost their spirits with having a dog or occasionally a cat on hand. So if you'd like to ask John a question or offer a comment, please call 813-239-9663, email dj at wmnf.org, or text 813-433-0885. In fact, it looks like we do have one of our callers right now. 
Hi, you're on Talking Animals with John Turner. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, sure can. Go ahead, please. My name is Steve, and uh, my wife and I moved down here from Pennsylvania about six years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, we rescued a couple of golden retrievers back in Pennsylvania, and when my 97-year-old mother was in a nursing home uh, for the last two years of her life, uh, the, the larger golden retriever was, was I have Disney-like stories about him, but I'll tell you one. Uh, he, he wasn't a registered therapy dog. All the nursing home required was to have his shots up to date, and we were allowed to bring him in. And uh, on the way in the door, before we got to my mom's room, there were people basically in wheelchairs that didn't move too much, and I would hold the leash very loosely, and he would walk up and sit next to them and put his nose or his head underneath their hands, and they would start scratching him, and he did this continuously, and it was it was just a wonderful thing. And when we went to see Grandma, uh, he, he knew he was on a job. He was ready to go. It was a beautiful thing. Well, isn't that the magical power of dogs? Yeah. Yes. Well, that's great. So this was sort of an unofficial therapy dog, but it sounds like warmly embraced by everybody that was in the, the home there with your mom. Absolutely, 100%. Thank you for your time. All right, thanks for your call. Thanks, Steve. So, John, tell us a little bit about how a project pup works. You know, let's say, let's just kind of get into some of the mechanics. Let's say that I'm in the hospital. My condition is such that I'm going to be there for uh, at least a few weeks, and I'm desperate for some canine company. Can I arrange a project pup visit and if so how do i do it um, a lot of our a lot of our facilities the nurses are well aware of which dogs they have at the at their facilities and if they mention to their nurse that they would like to see a dog or like to you know a visit from the dog um the nurses have a tendency to let them know what day they'll be in and make sure they make a note for it um and once we hit the floors of the nursing homes they the nurses will tell us which rooms are really requesting um I personally, when I do nursing homes, I, I go to just about every room that wants to see the dog. I will knock and ask if they would like to see the therapy animal. Um, and most of the time, people love to see the dog. Yeah. They can't wait. It makes their day. Um, it makes them very happy to have that interaction with their animal, especially somebody who's missing their dog. Um, that's that's the hardest part because when you're there, your dog's out, you know. That's your heart and your soul. Sure. So it sounds like, even though it's unofficial, like when you're doing visits, and I assume there's other people that do it the same way, even if someone hasn't necessarily noted that they would like a visit or, or much less specifically requested one, by the fact that you go sort of door to door, everybody there has an option to, to get a visit, just kind of spur the moment. Yes, everybody does have a chance. We try to make sure we give enough time for everybody to get a visit that wants one. Yeah. And typically when people say, hey, no, thanks, is it because they're either uneasy about dogs or there's a allergy situation or what, what tends to be the reason that people would say, uh, no, thanks, uh, don't, don't, don't bring the dog in here, please? For the most part, it's, it's fear of dogs. From what I've over the years of experience I have, it's been fear mm -hmm. or anything. Um, or you'll get somebody will say, oh, I'm really just a cat person or I don't, I'm not really an animal person. Yeah. And, and that's usually the response is, you end up with right on those visits because I would think the vast majority when you when you do these visits are people saying heck yeah bring the dog right in please it's probably about ninety eight percent yeah want to see the animals yeah I would think yeah okay great let's take another uh, call hi you're on talking animals with John Turner oh good morning hi uh, good morning um, I'm in Polk County. And I was just wondering if there was a link or a phone number in reference to getting all the training required for the therapy dogs. Yes, we have um, on our website, it's uh, www.projectpup.org. 
net, and that is our current website, and that will give you all the details and areas to go to get what you need to do on your next step. Oh, great. Dog. And we'll oh, certainly great. probably be discussing that, at least generally, in the coming minutes. I certainly intended to uh, ask John about that. So stay tuned, as they say. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Bye-bye. So as far as the visits, let's say, you know, somebody ends up at a facility that they, they may or may not know uh, whether Project Pup goes there. Can Project Pup quickly work it out to bring an animal to virtually any facility, or is there a list of sanctioned facilities, and it, it really stays confined to those facilities, even if somebody elsewhere might like a visit. No, we are all over the Tampa Bay area. Actually, we're all over the United States. Um, and we are, all it has to be done is the facility has to call us and request the, the visit. Okay. And we will try to get a dog out there as quickly as we can, and we will instantly send them a copy of our insurance policy so that's on their file. And that way everything's all ready to go and we'll be able to bring the dog in. Wow, that sounds like it's pretty speedy given what I would have thought was a little bit more uh, protocol or paperwork involved. It sounds like once the insurance uh, papers are in hand that the people are going to be having a visit shortly thereafter. As long as as long as long staff's on, on board with it, we're, we're good to go. And it's usually the volunteer coordinators of the facilities are who end up calling us and getting us in there. Yeah. And how quickly would that take from just the scenario you just described? Someone says, hey, I, I'd like to have a visit. It's not at a facility where we're already set up. As you say, they call you guys, got the insurance paperwork. Like, what, how many days are we talking about turnaround from from start to finish before that visit might happen? We try to shoot for 48 hours. Wow. That's great. That is that's, fast. that's our main goal. We yeah. try to make sure that we're there because the, the need is very important. Yeah, cool. All right, let's take another caller. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with John Turner. Hi, th- th- me? Yes, go ahead, please. Sure. Uh, all right. Thank, well, first of all, um, thanks for the show. I tell people about it. I think it's a really good, good venue, and um, and to the gentleman. And I was wondering if he wanted to talk about uh, other forms of animals, like uh, cats and stuff. And I was just thinking about like Doctor Doolittle. It's been a while since I've seen Doctor Doolittle. You know? Yeah. Well, I don't know about the Doctor Doolittle part, but I was certainly going to touch on the cats part because, it's, oh, nice. uh, although I think it's a pretty uh, serious rarity uh, overall in the Project Pup world. I think they do indeed provide visits by some cats. So, uh, uh, okay. yeah, in fact, since we're kind of on that now, John, tell us about how that works. How does a cat... I'll take my thing off there. Okay, you. that's fine. Thanks for your call. Thank you. So, John, yeah, tell us how it works for a cat to become uh, part of this, the Project um, Pup. Cats uh, go through the same basic process that the dogs do in testing and screening, um, and they, they're required to be calm, collected, you know, they don't have, there's nothing special. We have to, they have to be seen by the vet to make sure that they have all their shots that are required for feline. And, and then they, they just go ahead and test and become part of Project Puff. Um, we currently have, I believe, seven cats, um, and we're always looking for more cats. I'm sure. And when they do go in on a visit, are they on like a leash or a harness, or how does that work? Uh, they're on they're on a harness. Yeah, a leash. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Just like just like a dog would be their own. And so we prefer if they're leash trained. Yeah. Um, but most cats prefer to be held. If you have a, a cat in particular that likes to be cuddled, that's really what we're looking for is that, that cuddly cat that wants to be held and cuddled. Sure, but they have to arrive to that visit on the harness initially. Regardless of what cuddling might happen subsequently. Yeah, yeah I got you. Yeah. And um, uh, largely this is dog-oriented, I guess my question is, but do the dogs or even, I guess, the cats have specific availability? Like, in other words, like, is Sheldon, the very popular golden retriever, available 
just on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings? Or, I mean, like, how does, with all the animals that are involved in some of the requests, I mean, how does the scheduling work and what's the availability of the animals that participate? We let that up to our, our people that volunteer. They make their own schedules and their, their own hours and, and where they choose to visit. Um, we, we simply put the visit out there and see if there's any requests for it or if anybody can step up and do it. And we let them schedule their own hours and time. We don't request or require anybody to do a time at a certain visit or a certain time of day. Um, we know people have different hours of availability, like nights. And in fact, nights are one of the ones we're looking to fill. Right. Um, and, you know, so we look for anybody that's just flexible with their time that can cover a visit. We do ask that they do at least two visits a month. Um, so, our, you know, we're really not asking for a lot, but we are asking for a minimum of two visits per month. And as far as some of the scheduling, like, can someone request a particular dog either they, that they know from a previous visit or they just think, this is the kind of dog I'd love to have visit me in this room and I haven't had a visit before. Can they request a certain kind of dog, a certain breed? Yeah, they could request it. Those ones are a little harder to fill. Yeah. But we do, we do try our best to make sure that we fulfill any of them that we can. Um, we, we get quite a few breed questions, um, and a lot of them is the golden retriever that we get requested for. Yeah. Um, and so we do, luckily we have a lot of golden, and so we're able to fill that fairly easy. Um, so, yes, we do fill specific if we can, and we, can't, we always state, you know, we can't promise we'll do it, but we'll do our best to try to make it happen. Right. That seems reasonable. So as far as the volunteer animals themselves, I mean, you touched on this a little bit. So they have to have their shots and they have to have a certain kind of basic uh, like behavioral training. What are some of the other criteria that are necessary to become a full-fledged project pup animal? We like, we like a clean, well-groomed dog, um, a dog that's well-behaved and wants to be around people. That's really the key. The dog that's happy to be around people, that's tail-wagging or, you know, happy dog yeah um we, we are not a breed restricted program so all breeds are, are welcome all breeds are welcome okay great we are, we are not a breed restricted program yeah um and we require just go through our screening um and have a, a vet health certificate filled out every year by your vet so your vet can you know it confirms that they've been seen and that their rabies vaccination and everything is up to date and otherwise That's main requirement yeah so there's really, beyond those things, and just sort of temperament sounds like issues, and, and then, of course, the health issue with the vet and the screening, there's really not, sounds like, specific kind of training beyond that that's required. No, as long as it's well-behaved. I mean, we, we really look at the well-behaved dog. That's, that's, that's the key. Yeah. Um, we, I do prefer it if they have basic obedience. Yes, I would, you know, that's good. But, I mean, I know a lot of people prefer to train their own dog, and we accept that. Yeah. We don't require you to go through any specific program. Um, we have a very good set of screeners that have the capability to really tell what the dog will need. And if your dog, for some reason, wouldn't pass the screening, we would give you the information that you need to improve the dog to bring to come back and retest your dog. And we, we give guidance along that line. I see. Well, it all sounds super reasonable and like it's not, not too many... Um obstacles too for someone who says hey i'd like to participate in this and uh and it must be great for for the human that's bringing that dog i assume i assume they bring their own dogs in right like once once the dog is cleared to participate does that dog's human is the person who actually brings them on the visit yes it's, it's the owner of the, the handler of the dog that brings it in yeah um and does the visit 
So that must be great for, for all parties, really. Obviously, the person that's being visited, the dog, especially if it's the kind of personality, you know, likes to be around people and tail wagging, et cetera, like you described. And then I'm sure the human must be find this super gratifying. I find it is one of the most gratifying things that I've ever done in my life. Um, I've been doing this 29 years, and it has been an incredible journey. There's days that are sad and upsetting, but in the long run, you do more good for the world than you do anything. So it's, it's so rewarding. Yeah. Wow. That's, 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 that's a pretty long stint. Good for you. Let's take one more caller and I have some other questions, of course. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with John Turner. Hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Mary uh, from Odessa, and I was wondering if uh, your guest could talk a little bit about how it's been over the last couple of years with COVID and all that stuff, and, of course, currently. And, uh, and we'll hang up and uh, listen to you afterwards. Okay, that's great. That's obviously a major question I was going to get to with John because I figured that's got to have been a, uh, a huge issue given the work that's uh, done by Project Pup. So, yeah, why don't we skip ahead to that? So, um, yeah, I mean, as, as people have kind of heard or, or can picture, the very nature of what Project Pup does is person brings a dog or occasionally a cat to a facility where people, you know, maybe a medical facility of one kind or another. So uh, people may be ill or at least medically vulnerable. So I imagine that, yeah, the impact of COVID, especially early on, more of the lockdown phase, but maybe just generally must have been devastating. So what, what how, how did that affect Project Pup? Well, um, two years ago, when COVID started, um, Project Pup was shut down instantly. Um, and we were shut down for well over a year, oh, um, not being able to visit, do screenings or anything, um, fundraising, nothing. So for, for two years, we were, you know, a year and a half about it, actually. We were just barely skating by and trying to make it, um, struggling financially, you know, because we're based on all volunteer and screening fees is what helps keep Project Pup going and donations. And everything went down really quickly. Um and not being able to test at our facilities that we test at really hurt us. Uh, so over the last year, we've developed a lot more protocols, um, different uses of hand sanitizers and different ways to approach things and patients. And um, hospitals have also been very great at helping us with, you know, marking doors for patients that might have symptoms of COVID or symptoms of something. And that makes it a lot easier for us to be able to start our visits back up. Yeah. We have just, over the last four months, basically, have really started really bringing everything back up online and running full force and back to the screenings, back to visits, back to everything, back to events. So it's been a long, hard journey, but we've made it. Yeah. And, well, it must yeah. have been super tough for everybody because we've, we've already kind of covered in some ways how powerful and profound and poignant it is, especially with the person being visited, but, but all members of that equation. So to have a year, a year and a half where that just couldn't happen at all, I mean, that must have just been devastating. We did do some video visits during that time with, with some people. Okay. Um, so we did do some video visits, which were fun, but it, you, you're still missing that human contact. Yeah. Is really needed. Not, not, not quite the same thing, for sure. Yeah. So is there any kind of, for lack of a better term, animal hierarchy of sorts, like certain dogs that are used for more complicated or challenging visits just because of their temperament or their experience and the kind of folks that they're going to visit? Yes, there, there are certain dogs that I will go through and look at. I currently have a um, several Boston Terriers that are trained in PTSD, um, and they work with children of domestic violence and children that have been abused, um, neglected. And certain dogs like that we look for and, and we find them. A lot of them are just by nature. They're, they're extra tuned into that, that child or person. Um, and so that way, those dogs will look for. 
people, if somebody comes up and tells me their dog seems to do be really attached to children with special needs, I instantly make sure that I investigate that if that dog is capable of going to one of our schools that have special needs children. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of them out there that are. Not every dog, you know, is really set for every type of facility. That's why we offer so many types of facilities to visit. How many facilities are, if you can even count them, are involved at this point? Uh, currently, I think in my database, I have 570. Facilities. Oh, my goodness. And so with 570, is there some sort of system set up to rotate amongst those and a different rotation maybe even within the 570 because of what kind of facility it is, what kind of uh, visit might be required or welcomed? I mean, that just seems like a, a gigantic number. I don't know how often, again, a visit could happen, but how, how, how do you determine that or how is that structured? Uh, before COVID, we were able to pretty much cover every every facility without an issue. Um, but now, when you say every COVID, facility, uh, sorry, John, how, when you say every facility, like how often would that mean a visit uh, amongst the 570? I would say it would be once, it, each facility would be guaranteed almost once a month, a visit. Wow, that's great. Um, but after COVID, things have changed a little bit. Um, we, we lost an incredible amount of volunteers. Um, so we were able to, we're now rebuilding that so we can get back to that level of commitment and, and making sure these facilities get visited. And there's still a lot of facilities that are still kind of under lockdown, under lockdown terms. So they're still not quite opened up to us yet. I see. So accurately, I don't, I really don't have an accurate count of how many are available currently, but there's probably at least half of the facilities are available currently. Yeah. And do you have a sense of how many uh, current volunteers you have since that number did dip in the wake of COVID? Um, currently, we're down to about 274 Okay, from, from 490. Wow. And are uh, a lot of those 274 people that have been there for years and years, or do you get a fair amount of new folks saying, hey, this sounds great, I'd love to, uh, to help out in, in, this, in this way? About 30% of them currently have been around for a lot of years. Yeah. Um, and then the remainder are all newer people that have started out recently. It, it, it's been an incredible amount of people coming out now after after COVID, realizing that this is really a needed a needed um, opportunity for everybody to have. Yeah, I'm going to guess there aren't too many people who have uh, more than your 29 year stint. Uh, there's quite a few of us that are on with Project Pup right now. There are up in 20 years area wow there's quite a few Uh, matter of fact i just had one retire the other day that lived um just right below me at 28 years wow she finally retired yeah it's got to be tough to see someone uh, like that uh go but i'm sure they've had had their good reasons but um so what over the, the the 29 years or so that you have been involved in one capacity or another what are you know notwithstanding COVID, obviously which we just discussed i think but what are some of the more significant ways that Project PUP has changed or evolved over the 38 years from when it was launched? Um, currently, we, we pretty much stayed to our hometown roots. That, that was one of the things that I, when I took over as president, I wanted to make sure we stayed as our hometown type therapy dog group. Mm-hmm. We never wanted to be, you know, big and, and commercial. We wanted just to be uh, a hometown group of people that want to get together and help the community. That was, that has always been our goal. Um, but, you know, through the years, we have we have gone and grown into different places like um, airports. Now we visit. Um, we're in St. Pete Clearwater Airport. We do a visit there. I think we have eight dogs currently there visiting. Um, and that's typically, John, for people who are nervous flyers and to kind of help yes. 
put them a yep. little bit more at ease? Fear of flying and just people that are, you know, in general, just anxious but overall. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very good program, and that just started about two years ago. Um, right before COVID, actually, it started, and then <laughs> COVID. Yeah. Um, and then we, um, we've expanded. We're now in a lot of domestic violence facilities, and we're, we're pretty much everywhere there's a need, we, we can put a dog. Um, and we're getting ready to expand it to disaster relief. Oh, wow. So, we mean local disaster relief, or would you actually travel in that regard? Uh, the state of Florida. Okay. Cover the state of Florida. Well, that, that's relief. pretty big territory. Yeah. So, uh, no, that's great. So, these would, would essentially then turn into the guise of kind of like comfort dogs. If, uh, they were going to disaster relief sites? Yes. Yes. They would just be there to comfort and, and address the issues. Um, I currently have two disaster relief dogs with another agency that, that have been all over Florida for different different types of disasters. Yeah. To, the two mass shootings. Uh, and they go there to comfort the people. Yeah. And I feel that's a, at the, there's just not enough of that right now, so we need to kind of expand into that a little more, too. It's a kind of very specific area, and we've had the uh, Lutheran folks on who have the, you're kind of probably the highest profile comfort dogs, and uh, it just feels like, uh, sadly, sometimes they just can't even keep up with all the disasters that they would like to deploy to. So the idea that you guys are kind of uh, expanding your services in that in that direction is terrific. It, it, we're looking forward to helping everybody we can. Yeah. Again, this is Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss. My guest is John Turner, the president of Project Pup, which trains and sends therapy dogs and cats to visit uh, nursing homes, rehab centers, assisted living facilities, hospitals, and more. And as we're learning, expanding into airports and pretty soon uh, disaster sites for uh, in the capacity of comfort dogs. So in our remaining moments, we invite you to join the conversation by calling 813 239 9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org or texting 813-433-0885. So do I uh, understand that over all the years since you started in uh, 1984 that the only real funding has come from donations and then the screening fees that the owners uh, pay, I guess, to have their dog cleared to become a therapy dog under Project Pub? Correct. We are 100% donation-based and screening fee-based, and that's the, that's the way we've been operating for years. Um, this year has been extremely difficult. Donations have been down about 45%, um, and screenings with screenings being less than they used to be, um, and increases in insurance. Uh, that was the other thing that has been a really big challenge for us. Our insurance went up over $5,000 for a year. Oh, my goodness. What was the reason cited for that? COVID. Oh, COVID. God. Um, COVID's so co- coming for you guys in every direction, including less obvious ones than, than it's affected other organizations. Yes, yeah, it really, so when that financial hit this past um, March, when I noticed that you know, I got my insurance bill and it was you know, $5,000 more than the year, prior year, um, it really sent me into a panic trying to figure out how we were going to survive. Uh, and unfortunately, there are several smaller therapy dog agencies that didn't make it through because of that. And that's, that's a shame because we need everybody we can out there doing this. This is, this is a very important service in this day and age. For sure. People need that, that extra unconditional love. So, John, do you anticipate that, uh, depending, I guess, on what happens with COVID, and you know, it seems like there's always some new development, good or not so good, or just around the corner, but do you see a thing where that gigantic boost in the premium might 
stabilize it and go back down at least a, a little bit, maybe not to what it originally was, but maybe some of that $5,000 boost? No, I, I, we're, we are assuming um, to go ahead that we're going to keep paying the higher bills for the upcoming few years. Um, so we're trying to make sure we increase our fundraising, increase our our exposure in the community, and just go out and, and say, hey, look, we need we need your help. We're you know we're we're now trying to go out and ask our community for help, uh, which is the first time in all these years that we really had to do that. Yeah. And was there a time over all these uh, 38 some years where there was even brief consideration given to altering the financial slash donation structure just to have a more solid base or have a, you know, something you could count on more, more consistently, regardless of the ups and downs of the economy or obviously something like uh, COVID? Up until the last, um, this last year, um, we honestly had no struggle. It, we, the, current model that we have has worked well um, with the donations and the screening. It, it was it was always enough to help us get through without a problem. It, it just seems like in the last year, everything has changed. Um, so now we're currently trying to redevelop a little bit of strategy to make sure we keep the funding coming in. Um, and that includes adding more shows, pet shows that we can go out and do. Um, just make sure our presence are known and explain to people what we do. The more people we get in or get involved or people that see us out in the community, they'll remember us and hopefully, you know, eventually will give us donations and help us along. Yeah. Well, along those lines, let's mention again that the Project Pup website is projectpup.net. Again, it's .net, which uh, you don't see as often as uh, some of the other things, but um, that's a place to go to find out more about what we're discussing with John, but also, of course, you could donate via that uh, website and obviously... You know, anything people can do to uh, help out would be good. So we're in our final moment. We've got an email here. We've got one last call. Maybe I'll try to squeeze in real quick. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with John Turner. Yeah, so I have a question. Okay. In all these times that they've been doing this, has anyone ever made an insurance claim against them? No, I am proud to say that we have never had an insurance claim. Wow, um, that's great. We, we yeah, make sure our dogs are screened well. I love insurance companies because, uh, you know, like I, I've been driving a car and you have to have insurance in Florida. I haven't had any accidents for 50 years, but my insurance goes up every year. <laughs> okay, so you're facetiously saying you love insurance companies. I got you. Yeah, insurance okay. companies are ripping us off. Yeah, I got you. All right, well, that's that's a heck of a track record. Great, great show. Oh, thanks. Thanks for your call. All right, bye. Okay, so one last email, and I think we're sort of nearing the end of our time. This one says, I provide health care services to about 25 different senior care facilities in the Tampa Bay area. I often see therapy dogs at the facilities, and I think it's a wonderful addition to the lives of people who may not have had a pet previously or who missed their pets when they lived at their home. It always brightens my day. And then she included a uh, picture uh, of their dog. This is Sandy. She's a good girl. So on that note, maybe that's where we... Uh, we end our conversation for today, John. But we've been speaking with John Turner, the president of Project Pup. One more time, the website is projectpup.net to find out more. And if you'd like to get involved and get your dog involved or just volunteer otherwise, or, of course, if you'd like to donate, uh, that would be great, too. So that's all at projectpup.net. John, thank you so much for uh, joining us today on Talking Animals and uh, for all your great work. It sounds like 
you know, the better part of 30 years, you've had this amazing experiences and done great, great work. Thank you. Thank you for having me. In a moment, I'll speak with Heather Moran of the Doggy Bag in Lakeland about their Romp in the Hay event this Saturday, September 17th, which will feature both fundraising and adoption elements. We'll learn more about that from Heather in just a moment right now that we're going to step into the comedy corner. This is Rocky Dale Davis with a piece called Killer Dashoons. Let's just say Dashoons. In today's comedy corner on Talking Animals on WMNF. A lady got murdered by a wild pack of Dashoons. Like, literally. Like, Dashoons are wiener dogs, by the way. Wiener dogs. <laughs> It's pronounced ashes. I looked it up, so don't fact check that. I don't know if you're laughing at the joke or me. I'm not cool with it either way. You need to look up. Some people say dishes, but I say dashes. So, but she died from pack of dashes. I seriously, I want to know the number. Like, I, that's like that's like number. Like, I'm I'm gonna say like 1.5 million dashes attacked her at one point in time. Cause that's, that's like, sorry, it's like asking like how, like how many kindergartners could you beat up? Like that's like the question is like, like a pack of dash shit. And like, what is she thinking too? Like, like if you walk, like here's like an old lady walk, they always have the little stick with them and everything. You know, they got their little stick and she's like, oh, look at these little pack of dash shoes right here. Look at them coming. And then she's like, oh, they're getting close. Oh, they look really mad right now. And they start like biting her ankles. Like what point do you go down? The dash shoes are like, we got her, we got her. Like. Where did these dash hoons be at? We need to get these dash hoons off the street. That's what I'm focused on for 2018. Seriously though, man, like it's like what, how did that happen? Like at what point, look, if I ever die from a wild pack of dash hoons eating me up, y'all better lie, you better lie about it. Don't tell my mom a pack of dash hoons ate me up. Do not tell her, cause she'll disown me. She doesn't know, there's no way. She'll be like, oh, Mrs. Mrs. Davis, your son Rocky died from a pack of dogs. He's like, oh, we need to get rid of pit bulls, oh my God. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's a pack of dash hits, little winter dogs. Mama will be like, I didn't even love him anyways. I never loved him. That was Rocky Dale Davis in today's Comedy Corner with a piece called Killer Dashoons, taken from an appearance on Comedy Works Live. Now it's time to speak with Heather Moran of the Doggy Bag in Lakeland about the Romp in the Haven happening this Saturday, September 17th. Sounds like it's going to feature fun, fundraising, and adoptable animals, so let's get the particulars now. This is Heather Moran on Talking Animals on WNF. Good morning, Heather. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for joining us on Talking Animals. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start with the doggy bag itself. Maybe you could just give us a brief overview of the store and what it is and, and uh, how long you guys have been doing it. Yeah. yeah, we've been doing this. I'm now into my 20th year. Wow. We're a pet boutique. We specialize in all of the fabulous things for dogs and cats, everything from amazing foods, collars, leashes, treats, supplements, the whole nine yards. We're all about um, making, getting your dog's tails to wag, your cat's to meow, and putting a smile on your face and, and keeping your pets healthy. Well, it's hard to argue with any of that. That sounds great. So how often, because again, some stores and shops don't necessarily present events. So how often do you hold events? Before COVID, uh, we would do it quite frequently. And four years ago, I was lucky enough to get my own building. So now with us feeling more comfortable after getting through COVID and having our own building, we are sort of opening up the door and getting events going again. That's great. So what, what are some of the, we'll obviously talk more explicitly about Romp in the Hay in a sec, but what are some other events coming up uh, on the horizon? Oh, goodness. So 
in October, we're doing a fun wag your tailgate party. That one is going to benefit another local rescue until such time. And we fenced in part of our backyard, which is gives us the availability to do these great events. And that's going to be a whole football theme, tailgating theme, um, where we're take, playing off on the Buccaneers, playing the Carolina Panthers. And for that one, dogs get to lick a plate, pick a team, and there's going to be a grand prize basket winner, and all of the proceeds for that go directly to our friends at Until Such Time Animal Sanctuary, which is another local rescue. That's great. So it sounds like you offer these events for any number of reasons, but chiefly so that one rescue or the next can benefit from the proceeds from those events. That's absolutely what we're trying to do, and we're we're partnering with our small local rescues and really trying not only to help them raise money, but to get word out that they even exist and, and they need the help um, yeah. and the recognition. So that's exactly what we're trying to do. That's great. Well, okay, so now I think the time has come. We're mainly here today to discuss the Romp in the Hay. So tell me, uh, sort of describe what happens in your version of Romp in the Hay. So in our version of Romp in the Hay, we are turning our backyard into a big hay pile, and it is going to be filled with shoes that the dogs get to take turns. They get to go romp in that hay for $5 a romp, and they're going to find a yummy, fabulous chew, which is theirs, and that $5 is going to go directly to our friends at Raining Cats and Dogs, who will also be here that day. So 100% of the proceeds go directly to them. So the dog kind of trots out to the, the big clump of hay and roots around and digs for the, the treat, finds the treat. It's like, wow, I hit the jackpot, I got a treat. And meanwhile, either way, the uh, raining cats and dogs rescue is is uh, pulling in some, some dollars along the way with, with each contestant, I guess, for lack of a better yeah, win-win for everybody. The dog gets a treat, and if he can't find the treat, we're going to have him on the side, so, you know, nobody's going to go away empty-handed. And then our friends at Raining Cats and Dogs are going to be, we're hopefully bringing in some funds for them, and they'll also be here with adoptables that day as well. Yeah, I thought that was a cool element. How many animals do you think will be on hand? They're not sure. I spoke with Leslie, and she said it depends on how many volunteers, but they are hoping to have a nice selection of dogs. As soon as they know which one, they will give us that information so we can help share the specific dogs but we'll also have kittens that will be up for adoption that's great yeah so there's definitely a love connection that can be made sure and also another element to that event is a food truck will be on hand yes we're super excited okay we're foodies we love food so we've got La Palapa, which is a local food truck, and they're going to have nachos and tacos and all kinds of yummy stuff. So she'll be in our front yard offering all kinds of good stuff to eat. So you got to come hungry. Okay. Well, uh, that doesn't seem like asking too much, so that's good. <laughs> all right, so let's just uh, make sure we hit all the key details all at once. So we're talking about this Saturday, September 17th. If I'm not mistaken, the time is from 11 to 2. That's correct. Okay. And it's at the Doggy Bag. That's your place. That's and um uh, and that's at 1702 East Edgewood Drive in Lakeland? Yes, that is me. Cool. And then, again, if people are driving around or just want to double-check something or follow up, they could go to your website, which is what? The website is boutique, and all the info is under our events section. That's great. This sounds really cool. All right. Well, Heather, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck with the event. Sounds like it's going to be a blast, and everybody's going to, as you say, uh, win on some level or another just by by turning up, and hopefully we'll, some of those animals will find new homes, and so all the more so it'll be great. So That's thank you so much. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Coming up on WNF, the music kicks back in with Scott Elliott from noon to 3 p.m., a glorious three hours of music, followed by Robin Hooper with another three hours of music. And we just keep the music coming as we roll into our block of Latin programming and beyond. Meanwhile, on this show, at the moment, it's a prize for Name That Animal Tune. I'll be offering something fabulous from the Talking Animals Vault to the first person who calls 813-239-9663 and correctly identifies this animal song. It's named that animal tune on Talking Animals. It's an old Australian stockman lying, dying. And he gets himself up onto one elbow and he turns to his mates who are gathered round and he says, Watch me wallabies feed, mate. Watch me wallabies feed. They're a dangerous breed, mate. So watch me wallabies feed all together now. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Keep me cockatoo cool, curl. Keep me cockatoo cool. Oh, All right, if you can name that animal, Tim, we'll take it off the air just after we get uh, off the air here shortly because we have just about reached the end of today's edition of Talking Animals on WMF Tampa. Again, next Wednesday, Bev Capshaw will be here in my absence, and her guest will be Rick Shabity, Executive Director of Suncoast Animal League. So be sure to join her for that. I'll be back with you in two weeks. Uh, I also invite you to visit TalkingAnimals.net for audio archives of every show we've ever broadcast. Apple Podcasts are available there, too, as well as on other podcast platforms. There are also links to our Facebook page, well, all our social media pages. And uh, so check that out. Like us. Join us. Do whatever they can or whatever the right thing is. And... Uh, you can also subscribe to our newsletter to find out about our guests a couple of days before and another scintillating news from the Talking Animals world. That's all found at TalkingAnimals.net. I'm Duncan Strauss. Thanks very much for listening. Have a good week. Be kind to animals. Be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. This is Talking Animals on WMNF, Tampa, Brandon, Clearwater, Largo, Wikiwachi, and beyond. NPR's news headlines momentarily, and then the great Scott Elliott after that. Thanks. <laughs>